values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. One of the biggest issues that is now hitting the desert southwest is with this drought. It's also happening in California. Is we are seeing uh, lower and lower levels at Lake Mead. We know that the Colorado River water that we depend on. There are cuts that are coming, and Arizona is going to be affected in a, in a great way. And it's in what I mean by great in a big way, not a good way. And uh, Pinal County and agriculture in Pinal County is going to pay a heavy price. We know that that's coming as well. And so we've been preparing for this for a long time. I, I you know, I started getting an in, taking an interest in water rights, and I know it sounds it sounds like such a boring topic. You open the tap, or you turn on the garden hose, or you turn on the shower, and water comes out. And as long as it's the right temperature, that's what your concern is, and that's the way most of us look at it. We understand we live in a desert. We understand we are growing a great deal, and that there has been a strain. So Arizona, and this was led years ago. And uh, by uh, the former Senator John Kyle was the one that negotiated this on Arizona's behalf. And anybody I've ever talked to on the topic, when it when all of it comes up, John Kyle is credited with negotiating so that this would have up to, you know, for the generations to come that we would have water here in Arizona with the Central Arizona Project, with Salt River Project and the things of that nature. Um, but. As we move in deeper into the 21st century, we now are faced with drought, and we are now seeing cuts that are going to be made. We've had a very wet monsoon, which water, uh, you know, when we when we uh, we store water here, we we've done a very good job with runoff and storing water, so that helps. But we also understand that the majority of what we depend on is from the snowpack and the snowpack so we want the snowpack to be heavy so that it flows into the Colorado River and it makes its way to us i mean that's what is going to solve this problem but what we're what i'm talking about with this makes sense when you talk about it from just a survival standpoint from a a standpoint of uh, making sure that we conserve the water that we we have that we do the best we can to make it work for us even in good times we should be doing that and many people do i mean we've done so much over the years. Arizona has been a front runner in this. Arizona has been a front runner in making sure that we are preserving and conserving water so that it's there for us when we need it. California has done very little. Now, I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of California anyway, so I know that it sounds like I'm just taking a, t- a chance to beat up on California. But for a, a, for a state that preaches environmentalism, for a, a, from the government to its residents, they are the ones that are the, the elite when it comes to conservation. They are the elite when it comes to animal rights and making sure we have a clean planet and and a small carbon footprint. But they're the biggest hypocrites in all of this. The story about – and I'm just going to – I'll read you the headline and then some of the names. L.A. celebrities ignore the drought and exceed water rations for pools and landscaping. So here are some of the names. Uh, Sylvester Stallone. Who I love, Kevin Hart, hilarious individual, Dwayne Wade, former basketball star, and the Kardashians are some of the big name celebrities who have been issued notices of exceedance by their local water district, according to the L.A. Times. These celebrities live, live 30 miles east of Los Angeles in a spacious but arid locales in the Hidden Hills. In Calabasas, uh, bordering the Santa Monica Mountains, temperatures can reach over 100 degrees in the summer. Yet landscaping there is green year-round because these celebrities surpass 150% of their rationed water amount at least four times documents show. So for people that want to save the planet, 
for people that preach to you and to me about conservation and about carbon footprint and electric cars. And these are the people that fly on private jets. And I, I listen, God bless them. If I had the money, if I was wealthy enough to fly private, trust me, I fly private. I've been on a private jet before um, as a guest on a couple of occasions, and I can tell you it is a phenomenal experience. It, it beats flying commercial. Even if you fly first class, there's nothing like it. It is life-changing to be driven right onto the tarmac, feet from the plane, to hand somebody your bag, jump on the plane, grab a drink, get in your seat, and take off like you're in an Uber. It is an amazing experience. And so I don't begrudge those people doing that. You've, you've achieved a level of success in your life. Uh, Steven Spielberg, I talked about this earlier. Steven Spielberg spent $116,000 in aviation fuel in one month. And that's probably a drop in the bucket compared to what others do. But I don't want to be preached to by people about my carbon footprint and my argument with the movement of environmentalism across the world. And it is a political movement. I don't want to be preached to. You can't even stop watering your lawn every day. We brought somebody on from Phoenix that's a, with the that they are an advisor on water in the city of Phoenix. And what she said was that the majority of what you could do to conserve water is outside of your home. That most people overwater their lawns. It's a simple step to talk to whoever it is that helps you with landscaping or someone you know that does landscaping or when you're at the golf course, ask one of the greenskeepers, how often should I water my lawn? Most of the time, it's every other day. Rolling back some of the days that you water your lawn, rolling back the, the amount of time each section in your, your lawn uh, is watered. I've done both. And here in, you know, in California, where they have very little happening to them right now, the restrictions that are happening there because of the Central Arizona Project are almost nothing. We've got agriculture. We have farmers and ranchers who will not be able to plant crops in Pinal County in next year because of these restrictions that are going to be implemented. And you've got celebrities in California, the preachers of this movement, that are getting tickets because they're overwatering their lawn. So when we stop with the politics of this, when we are done with the preachers, and again, I won't, I don't agree with their premise. I don't agree with it. But don't fly around on a private plane. John Kerry has been hired as the climate czar of this administration. He's one of the most outspoken people on climate change. That guy flies on a private jet everywhere he goes, and it has not very little to do with his government job. You know, being married to a Heinz from the Heinz fortune and you fly around the world in private jets. And so your, your carbon footprint is immense. You know, when Al Gore had his movie, The Inconvenient Truth, when he was the champion for climate change, when he was the when back when back in the good old days when it was called global warming um, before they wanted to make sure cooling when it happened was also happening. So now it's all just climate change. But when it was called global warming, I think the guy bought like a twenty five thousand square foot house. Yeah, you're worried about your carbon footprint. You're worried about how much of the Earth's resources you're using up by preaching to everyone else. And they just they need to stop. We have a drought that's happening. People are hurting. Agriculture is going to take a huge hit in Pinal County and other parts of the state. And you've got people, celebrities in California, overwatering their lawns. 
So uh, when does it stop and what do they do to stop it? Every day at 1120, we do something called Did You Hear This? It's a way to catch up on all the headlines of the day and the biggest news story. So we'll do it again coming up here in just a few moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get you caught up on the headlines. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. New York Mayor Eric Adams is not happy with Texas Governor. The governor of Texas is not giving any information at all, uh, no matter how much we try to coordinate. Crisis calls on coordination. And he has been really uh, just uh, a person who's mean-spirited in the area of helping people in in a time of need. Is Abbott being a meanie or just giving the sanctuary city some tough love? I just think that what's happening here is we're sending a message, and a message is being sent to people in the president's political party that if you want this to stop, you want us to stop doing this, we want the federal government to stop doing it to us. Go to the president. Tell the president that they are shipping these people to you that are asking to go to New York. What's the difference if it's on a federally chartered bus or a state chartered bus? They're ending up on your streets as well. This is not the first delivery of to New York of people that are in this country as undocumented migrants. So this is just them being upset because Abbott is doing it instead of Biden. And it should stop with the politics and go to the people that can stop it. That's the federal government. The Trump raid saga continues with the New York Times reporting 300 documents with classified markings were supposedly collected. The Times goes on to detail how the Justice Department has had to recover the documents piecemeal with a first batch of documents returned in January. Another set provided by Mr. Trump's aides to the Justice Department in June and the material seized by the FBI in the search this month. With this and the new memos obtained by Just the News... Is it just me, or are the timelines weird with Trump cooperating in January before the White House was in talks with the DOJ in April? I mean... I think the entire thing needs to be a lot more transparent. I know if there are classified documents, we can't see them. Uh, the American people are pretty smart, and not everybody is so politically motivated that they can't call right, right, and wrong, wrong. If the president had documents that he had no, not just a legal reason to have, because he could always declassify them, if he had no reason to have them other than he just wanted them, the American people have a right to know when a decision should be made. At the same time, if the Biden administration, and based on the memos we've seen, if the Biden administration said, we had no knowledge of this happening. And there are memos that showed that not only did they help not know it was happening, they helped coordinate to make it happen. Then we've got to also know that and let the American people decide. All this piecemeal information just keeps us throwing stones at each other. We need some transparency so reasonable people can make reasonable decisions. You are listening to Did You Hear This? It's uh, our way to catch you up on the headlines. California had passed open drug use legislation, but something interesting happened yesterday. It got vetoed. Among supporters of the bill, they said having open, supervised drug use sites would help curb the exploding rate of overdoses in California's biggest cities. But Newsom disagreed and vetoed the bill, saying opening drug use sites could induce a world of unintended consequences. 
Being that it's California is kind of surprising. Do you think he has presidential aspirations? Oh, he definitely does. Um, but that's the first time I think I've ever agreed with Gavin Newsom. Anybody, and this has nothing to do with being heartless. This has everything to be uh, to say that I know addiction, not because I am an addict, but because I've had people in my family that are addicts. And I know that the one thing you should never do with an addict is facilitate and enable. And when you do something like this, you are enabling addicts to continue with their addiction. It's safer than dying in the street, but they are still killing themselves. So it was the right thing to do to veto this. I'm shocked that I agree with Gavin Newsom on something, but I don't care what his motives are. If his motives are to run for president, let him run for president. At least he did the right thing this time. Ford is going to be cutting 3,000 white-collar jobs. This will be about 6% of the U.S. and Canadian workforce. It's part of a cost-cutting plan to help Ford make the long transition from internal combustion vehicles to those powered by batteries. The company's 56,000 union factory workers will not be affected. Do you think we're sacrificing people's livelihoods for the hope of reducing emissions? No, I think what's happening here is I think the Ford Motor Company, along with the oil companies, are seeing that this administration is making a big push in that direction. And they don't have much choice when it comes to what they are going to do with their businesses to come accustomed to what's happening right now. There is what you want. There is also the reality of what it is. And this is the reality of what is. The other problem with this, and we're going to talk at more length about this in a couple of moments, is that about half... Half of American corporations that responded to a survey said they are planning to slash jobs. That is going to be the biggest hit to this economy. More than the growing prices, that is going to do some serious damage if it happens. All right, that's Did You Hear This for another day. Appreciate you being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow morning at 1120. And we are going to talk about this in a few moments about our economy. I, I think more than anything else, it's still the number one issue. When you look at and it changes state to state. We're a border state. So, you know, we've got the big issues like everyone else does. The economy and jobs is going to be number one, I believe. In Arizona, the border issue is going to be there as well. But I think water may, may surpass both of those or at least become number two on the list for people as we continue to grow, uh, what are we going to do as a state to make sure we have the water necessary for that growth? And doing it at a reasonable expense, we understand that there's unique things everywhere you live. It costs a lot of money to cool your home in the summer times in Arizona. ACs run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, until usually October in Arizona. It's a realization we've all come to. And there are plans you can be on, equalizer plans that give you the same bill every month. But we're now going to be facing water shortages, and how are we going to get water to the residents that need it. Those are going to be other major issues. But still the economy and jobs. People vote with their wallets. The expectation I believe from most people in both major political parties is that they just want to be able to make a living themselves. And they want the government to facilitate the the ability to make a living. Not facilitate the living. Facilitate the ability to make a living. So in a moment we'll give you more updates on what's happening there. Um, And will the White House cancel student loans Loan debt. They sound like they're leaning that way. We'll talk about both of those next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Greenhead Show. News app. Hey, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do it. It's the Mike Broomhead Show podcast. Never miss a minute of the show. Listen at your convenience. This week, the Mike Broomhead Show podcast is brought to you by my good friends over at King LASIK and K2 Vision RLE, the best vision for the valley. Schedule your virtual consult at kingk2vision.com. 
Um, Record numbers of Americans are suffering. Let's just start here with this. There's an index that they use, and this is a Gallup Life Evaluation Index. It measures the quality of life Americans by asking respondents if they are thriving, if they are struggling, or if they are suffering. And this is on a scale of 0 to 10. Those who check 4 or below are considered suffering. 7 or or higher is thriving. The poll found that 5.6% of Americans rate their lives as suffering. That's the highest in the index since its inception in 2008. The percentage of respondents who classified thriving fell to 51.2% in July from a record high of 592 in July of 2021. The number of people thriving is at an 18-month low. The lowest reading for respondents thriving was 46.4, which only measured twice. First was in November of 2008 and the second in the early COVID months of April of uh, 2020. So um, it it is just a gauge to where people are. There are a lot of these gauges that people use, and it's not just to bash people politically or to to cry and moan. But a lot of times when businesses, investment groups are looking at consumer confidence, this plays a big role in that. It's also how are you doing, but how do you think your neighbor's doing? And there's been a lot of those polls that are out there as well saying, you know what, I'm doing okay, but I'm worried about my neighbor because I think my neighbors are probably worse off than me. The other two key questions that have been asked in the past, and they're asked every year, is they ask people, um, are you better off this year than you were last year? And the other question is, do you believe you'll be better next year than you are this year? Now, I think it was three years ago or four years ago was the first time in, I don't know, 50 years or maybe since its inception, but it was in a very long time where both of those questions were answered affirmatively, where people said, I'm better now than I was last year, and I think next year is going to be even better. That is a high level of consumer confidence. There is a high level of confidence there, and that should always be the goal for our economy. Um We talk about our political differences and how they play into all of this, and I think it's an important thing to discuss a lot of times. Um, I want to see people cared for. If you, at least I hope people understand that, that listen to this show, that I want to, I, I, I strive to try to help other people. I think that, um, Giving is a privilege that in being able to give, not having taken from me, I don't want it taken from me. I don't want it confiscated from me and used in a way you think is fit with some bureaucratic nonsense attached to it. I want to be able to give. We started Broomheads Action Alliance because I know that all of you out there want to be able to give. We want to be able to go in the community and make a difference. If we are in a place in our lives where we can help somebody else, it kind of melts our troubles, or at least for a while it does. Uh, one of my favorite stories of the Action Alliance, and it's, it, it, this is such a true a truism, I think, in life. Um, a mom brought her son, and he was about, I think he was 10 years old, a young kid. Now, no 10-year-old kid wants to get up with a bunch of adults on a Saturday and go pack food bags. Do you want to eat cereal and watch cartoons? Let's be honest. I mean, I want to do that now when I'm 55. Um, but she dragged him to the Action Alliance event at United Food Bank in the East Valley where we packed emergency food bags. And about halfway through the packing party, we called it, his mom approached me and said, that's my son. And he was wearing this really cool MTV T-shirt, like a throwback T-shirt. And uh, she said, um, he didn't want to come this morning, and I made him come. And she said, he just walked up to me and said, 
he had no idea this were the, there were this many hungry people out there. And then he told me, he came up and introduced himself to me and told me he was having a great time. What a transformation for a 10-year-old to see the needs of other people and then actually say he's taking joy in helping. Now, what a transform- What a transformation for that young man in that moment. Now, I don't know how significant it was to him to say in that moment in a 10-year-old's mind, but for the adults that heard him say it, that's an amazing transformation. When you now recognize the need and you take joy in being able to help with the need. And we all want to be there. So this 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 argument within ourselves politically that says one group of people because they're willing to confiscate the wealth of other people to give it away means they care more is an absolute falsehood. That there are so many good people on my side of the political aisle that not only pay exorbitant amounts of taxes, but what they do on top of paying all those taxes is they give their money away. How many people I've talked to that I'm blessed to know a lot of wealthy people, um, and I want to learn from them because I'd like to be one of them someday. But to learn from those wealthy people and to hear them say and then watch them practice giving away their fortune. Whether it's in the form of advice and trying to be a mentor to young upstart entrepreneurs and or going out and writing checks and donating to causes that they know are going to improve the lives of people. When you look around at some of the most some of the wealthy people that are here in our valley and that's why um, I'll defend wealth every day of the week. Because I know who these people are. You, you look at some of the families here, um, and I've talked about them before, uh, Bob Parsons from GoDaddy and what him and his wife have done with their foundation and how many millions of dollars they give away every single year to worthwhile causes. The Holly family. Uh, from Discount Tire and the millions of dollars that that family has given away over the years, the Showin family and uh, from from uh, U-Haul, um, what they have done throughout the valley and throughout the state of Arizona and benevolence. Uh, Walmart, the people from Walmart, the Walton family and their connection to Arizona, um, whether it's a son's charity or it is the Cardinals charities. We just had Michael Bidwill on. His father, Bill Bidwill, was known and Michael is as well known for their benevolence and giving inside our society. Uh, the Diamondbacks, Derek Hall, and talking with Derek about their charities. The Thunderbirds that put on the great tournament that happens, the uh, the Waste Management Phoenix Open every year, and the millions of dollars that are given. Do you know that Special Olympics in Arizona, the Special Olympics programs in Arizona, are not only underwritten financially, largely by the Thunderbirds, but when we have the Special Olympics here in Arizona, they turn out. The, the Thunderbirds themselves are there putting on those games. They don't just show up and work at the golf tournament and the big party that happens. They do the hard work as well. And so there is a, there is a large group of people, and they're not everybody I just listed. I don't know their political standings. I don't know where they stand politically. I really don't. I've never had a political conversation. I don't even know. I know Derek Hall. Um, I know Jason Rowley a little bit. I know some of the people involved. But the wealthy individuals I just mentioned, I don't know them. Never had a conversation with Bob Parsons. Never once. But I know what kind of giving they do. And so when we demonize wealth in this country, we're doing a disservice. But it's even worse when we pack uh, praise onto the government that confiscates wealth all in the uh, in the name of benevolence. There are people right now that are hurting financially. You've got one guy that's running for the Senate in Pennsylvania. Fetterman is his name. This guy is trying – he says if he goes to Washington, D.C. in the Senate, and he just might – 
His goal is to arrest those CEOs of some of those major corporations I just talked to you about. Uh, but he wants to do it because of the price gouging in the food industry, in the oil and gas industry. Well, the federal government takes in more money every single year and every month than it ever has. They just set a new record. And when we get out of August and we get into September, we'll look back at August numbers and tax collection in the month of August will set another record. And what did we do? We raised taxes once again. Well, of course, it's only on the wealthy, so that's okay. Let's tax the wealthy. That's going to improve America. We are taxing the job creators. We are over-regulating them. We are over-taxing them. But worst of all, they are demonized. They are demonized for wanting to hang on to their wealth. They are demonized for wanting to not give it to the government. But then you look at how many millions, tens of millions, sometimes hundreds of millions or billions of dollars are given away to causes that they believe in of their own money that they write checks for. Just because they don't want to give it to the government doesn't mean that these are bad people that are uncaring and greedy people. Coming up in a moment, um, we're going to finish off with schools. We're going to talk about a couple of things that are going on in public schools and the question about whether or not it's happening in Arizona. With the time we have left, we'll get into it. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, just a few minutes left. I want to go back to the topic of schools. I think public schools are going to be the number one issue over time, and they should be a lot more important. But I think since COVID happened and parents were able to see their children and what they were learning and how they were learning, the assumptions they had about the classrooms were shattered in many cases, and parents began rightfully to ask questions. And it wasn't so much that their questions weren't being answered appropriately. It was the way they were being treated that pushed them to go even further. Um, and it isn't happening everywhere. I want to be very clear about that. I, this is not a all or nothing proposition. But we do understand that there is enough of this happening, that the American Federation of Teachers, the AFT, along with the NEA, the National Educators Association, the National Association of School Boards, the NASB, the National Association of School Boards, wrote a letter to the White House that they say they worked on the verbiage with the White House. And in this official letter from their organization to the White House, they called parents that were showing up at school board meetings, domestic terrorists, and they asked for the FBI to show up and investigate. Scottsdale Unified School District doxing parents, or at least the president of the organization's father or the, or the of the board's father. He was forced to step down, but he's still on the board. Um, here's the study. The more insane public schools were about COVID, the more parents abandoned them. So when you couple the way parents were treated for questioning the school's policies and saying that, you know, they will send their children the way this, to school the way they see fit, and the school board said, no, you won't. But now you couple that with the fact that the CDC now admits they got it completely wrong. When do the parents get an apology? I want to know about the AEA and the AEU here in Arizona, the teachers' organizations. They call themselves a union. They aren't really a union, but they want to be. But they call themselves a union. When are they going to apologize for organizing the shutdowns of schools? When are they going to apologize and say they were listening to the CDC and they got it wrong? That when they were organizing sick outs, and I can say that with confidence because I have the videos from their private chat rooms that have been sent to me by people in their organizations where they brag about uh, organizing sick outs. Say we can't call it that. It violates our contract, but we, everybody knows what that's what this is. Working in conjunction with the American Federation of Teachers. So right 
after Thanksgiving in the Scottsdale Unified School District, schools had to be shut down for a couple of days because teachers organized the sick out to keep schools closed. We now know that closed schools are part of the reason for depression and addiction and the isolation that happened, that the mental health and emotional well-being of kids was severely damaged, not to mention their education skills dropped in big amounts in reading and math skills because of the shutdowns for COVID. And now they know that the CDC recommendations were wrong, and so was it wrong for their militant way that they handled it. When do those organizations come out and say, we did this in the best interest of the children, but we got it wrong too? It's not happening. So there are many parents that are abandoning the school system. It's why Arizona pushed to change the ability of parents to take their kids and go to other schools. It's why this ESA or voucher program was expanded in Arizona by the legislature. It's cause and effect. It is a power struggle. It is about the money. That's what it always is. And so the school boards have to take some responsibility here. The AEA and the AEU has to take some responsibility for the way they treated parents, not in every district, not in every classroom, but in enough of them to cause great concern. When you're dividing kids by race because of the uh, the social emotional learning aspect of things and now you're telling people that they are either oppressed or they are the oppressor and you're dividing them accordingly – When you have a teacher in Utah saying that she's got a classroom, her classroom, her fourth grade classroom, is designed for non-white students. Imagine a teacher saying, I've designed my class for white students. It it just, we have got to get away from this. And we have to get rid of activist teachers that are bringing their politics, I don't care if it's my politics, into the classroom. Teach them to read, teach them math skills. And until that happens, parents will continue to look for other options and they're justified in doing it. This is a huge topic. We are failing our children by not equipping them with the tools to learn. That's all this is about, educating our children. We are going to be back again tomorrow morning beginning at 8 a.m. I always appreciate you spending some time listening to the show, and I hope you can join me for part of your day tomorrow. It begins at around 8. Thanks again for being here. Have a great day. God bless.